Good evening, church. It's always fun to talk to Pat. I ask him which sermon I'm preaching tonight because he always helps me back there. And uh, he always wants to wing it, whatever that means, right? <laughs> it's great to see you all here tonight, both members and visitors. I like, let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we praise your holy and divine name and thank you for this very moment, for this hour that we have to worship you. And we're thankful for Jesus, your great son, whom you sent to die on that cruel, cruel cross of Calvary, who lived and died that we might, that we might live. And it's through him that we're able to worship you and to be called your children. Please help us to live that way, to appreciate all that you've done for us. And to love you back as you've loved us. It's in his name we do pray and thank thee if it be thy will. Amen. The life of Jesus and the life of Joseph. As, as God's people, when we teach the story of Joseph, we should also teach the life of Jesus. Every time we teach the story of Joseph, the account of Joseph, we're teaching about the life of Jesus. So what I want us to do tonight and over the next actually couple of weeks is look into the life of Joseph while thinking about Jesus. Right? Thinking about what, what God has done for this world through Joseph that teaches us over and over again about Jesus. I love it when people say, well, I'm not going to teach Jesus anymore. Well, then you can't teach Joseph or Moses. Or, I mean, you, you might as well just get rid of your Bibles, right? Folks have said that. Genesis 37, Joseph was the beloved son of his father. Now Jacob lived, in verse, verse 1, in the land where his father had sojourned in the land of Canaan. And these are the records of the generation of jo Jacob. Joseph, when he was 17 years old, was pastoring the flock with his brothers while he was still with his brothers. While he was still in a, a youth, excuse me, along, along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was a son of his old age, and he made him a very colored tunic. And Jesus, Matthew chapter 3, we know he is the beloved son as manifested from uh, the heavenlies. He has come down to us to bless us and keep us. And God says at the baptism of John, in Matthew 3 and verse 13, then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John and be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answering, said to them, Permitted at this time for, in this way, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he permitted him. And after being baptized, Jesus went up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and coming upon him. In a voice out of the heavens saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So let's think for just a moment about the life of Jesus. I'm going back to Genesis 37. In the relationship between Joseph and his brothers 
and Jesus and his brethren. Right? Genesis 37 and verse 12. Then his brothers went to pasture their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock in Shechem? Come and I will send you to them. And he said to him, I will go. And then he said to him, Go now and see about the welfare of your brothers and the welfare of the flock and bring back to me word. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron and he came to Shechem. And a man found him and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, What are you looking for? And he said, I'm looking for my brothers. Please tell me where they are pasturing the flock. And then the man said, they have moved from here. For I heard them say, let us go to Dotham. And Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dotham. When the father sent Joseph, how did they receive him? How did they, how did they, how did they receive him? And, and, and it, when Jesus came, how was he received by his brothers? He was sent by his father to do the work of his father. Jesus was sent by his father to do the work of his father. The father said, go and bring back word about, about these folks and tell me. Jesus was sent, but he was not received. And Jesus was sent to a people, John 3, 16, who, who didn't love him, who, who didn't want him, to his brethren, to those who should have known him, to those who were expecting him, and yet they refused him. In John 3, in verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. And to think that Joseph was a type of Savior and ill-treated by, by his family, by his brethren. Jesus came, I'm going to Galatians chapter 4, and the world treated him in a terrible way. And even to this day. How did that feel to Joseph? And I wonder how that felt to Jesus. In Galatians 4 and verse 4. But when the fullness of time came. God sent forth his son. Born of a woman. Born under the law. In order that he might redeem those. Who were under the law. That we might receive the adoption as sons. Now I know when we speak of Jesus coming to his brethren, we're speaking of the world. But think about his own household. The Bible tells us and makes it clear that even his own brothers didn't believe in him. Sons of Mary didn't believe. And it's almost like when you think about that, were, were they uh, calling their mother a liar? You know, she told them the story. She told them what happened. She told them of the account of how God blessed her to conceive and bring forth a son. And for as long as Joseph 
uh, the father, rather, was around, you know that he told them, and yet they still didn't believe him. And in John 1, in verse 11, he came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. If it were not for the father's great love, I'm going back to Genesis 37, to hold on to, what a lonely life Jesus lived. Think about how lonely Joseph was for those years that, you know, in his own, you know, captivity as his brother sold him and the struggles and part of his house. And think about the difficulty and the struggle mentally that Joseph had gone through. How much of that reflects Jesus? In Genesis 37 in verse 18, when they saw him from a distance, before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. And they said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Now then come and let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And we will say, a wild beast devoured him. Then let us see what will become of his dreams. So I know the, the, the understanding is the jealousy of the brethren and how terrible jealousy is. How much do you have to hate a person to treat them in this way? So I want you to think about the passages that tell us in the New Testament that they hated Jesus. How much did they hate Jesus to treat him that way? And why? For what reason? What what would he have thought, if you will, or been thinking throughout his ministry? These people who say they love me are about to execute me. In verse 25 of Genesis, then they sat down to eat and a meal, and as they raised their eyes, they looked, and behold, a caravan of Ishmaelites was coming from, Gal from Gilead. And when their camels bearing Aramaic gum and balm and myrrh and on their way to bring them to Egypt. And Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it for us to kill our brother or cover up his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Can you imagine your brothers describing, hey, I want you to know, you're, you're my brother, you're my own flesh. And so that makes it, why would you do that to your own brother, to your own flesh? Jealousy? Then some Midianite traders passed by, so they pulled him up and lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. Thus they brought Joseph to Egypt. They sold him, Zechariah chapter 11, for the price of a slave. In other words, it, it, the value they had for him wasn't much. Why would they do that to their brother? Why would they sell him? And I know the account. I know, you know, he was a bratty brother. And I know all of that. I, I get all that. I get it. You get it. We understand that. But you've got to really be kind of low to treat people like that. And Zechariah, the Bible makes it clear, that's exactly what humanity was at that time. 
They were pretty low. The way they treated Jesus. They also showed, sold Jesus for the price of a slave. How, how much do they value Jesus? Not very much. But wait a minute. Isn't this the same Messiah who did all these miracles? Yeah. Isn't this the same Messiah who went about doing good? Yeah. Isn't this the same Messiah who was perfect? Yeah. But they hated him. And their jealousy, because they were afraid they would lose their nation, was just, it was off the hook. It was, a, it was off the chain. It was terrible. When, when you look at people and, and you can't see good in them, sometimes I wonder if I'm looking through foggy glasses, the lens in my eyes. Or maybe I'm looking at a mirror and reflecting. Because this was jealousy, Right? This was jealousy. None of it was legitimate in the sense of it was the right thing to do. It was over jealousy. Look at how far a man will go because of jealousy and hatred. Zechariah 11, what was, what was Jesus worth to them? Verse 12. And I said to them, if it is good in your sight, give me my wages. But if not, never mind. So they weighed out 30 shekels of silver as my wages. And the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter, that magnificent price at which I was valued by them. So I took the 30 shekels of silver and threw them to the potter in the house of the Lord. How much is Jesus worth to you? Matthew 26, please. The way that we live our lives. You know, there's a, there's a Greek word. I really wasn't probably going to go there, but here we are. Um, eulogia is the word found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's where we get the word eulogy from. And, and in, in 2 Corinthians 9, the amount of monies that were given in 2 Corinthians 9 were spoken of as eulogia. From the Greek word, it was the value, if you will, that you placed on something. So the value on, on Jesus, the value uh, that they placed on him was through their monies. And here you have the same idea that Jesus wasn't worth very much to them. But your eulogia, the money that you give, speaks to how much a person's worth is to you. And in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 14, then one of the twelve named Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest and said, what will you what will you give to me to deliver him up to you? And they weighed out to him 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave. Is that, is that worth it? The price of a... Is that what Jesus was worth to him? I mean, that's, that's just how much of Jesus uh, that Judas had in his mind. Jesus wasn't worth very much to him. Just a little bit of money. How much is Jesus worth to you? And then that, that hatred continued on uh, back to Genesis 37. Uh, so imagine, think about Jesus living in this, in this life and, and the, the Pharisees and the scribes walking up to Jesus and speaking to Jesus uh, and they're coming to him as if they love him to you know, keep themselves uh, in, a, in a relationship with the people. And they're asking Jesus questions and they're testing Jesus and they're watching Jesus. Imagine that, you know, that feeling of awkwardness 
Here Jesus is in the midst of the rulers of the day. And yet they hate him for no reason at all. He was hated without a cause. In Genesis 37 and verse 4, maybe it felt like this. And his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers. And so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Then Joseph had a dream and went and told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. Verse 8. Then his brothers said to him, are you actually going to reign over us? Or are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. And that's exactly what Jesus' life was. The life where people hated the man of love. They hated him. Going to the cross, only God could have done that. If people treated you the way they treated Jesus, John chapter 15, that that feeling of disdain, uh, being in their presence, being in their midst, and, and how much they hated him. And Jesus knew they hated him, and yet he still was full of love, and he went to the cross to save them anyway. Can you imagine when they were... Him, you know, putting the nails in his hands and, and he looks into the eyes of that, of that soldier who hated him. But what's amazing is Jesus could look at them through the eyes of love and compassion. Not me. <laughs> wow. Well, what an amazing situation. Can you imagine when they threw Joseph into the pit as he came up? Can you imagine the look on the brothers' faces as they ridiculed him while he was in the pit trying to decide what to do with him? And that's why they were so terrified when they found out that Joseph was a leader. They're like, we're going to reap what we've sown. They were scared of that. They were afraid of that. They concocted a lie later in his life after the father died. This is what your dad said. And it wasn't true. Because they knew they deserved to die. Did we realize that we deserve to die? In John 15, in verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. And he still went to the cross. You know, you, you think, you just say, you know what, just, hey, you know what, you guys don't want to treat me right, and, and, and you don't want to acknowledge what you see with your own eyes, and you, you don't, you know what, fine, I'm just going to let you die. But that's not what he did. That just shows you how far above mentally and, and emotionally God is than we are. And Joseph, with that forgiving heart, displays the heart of Jesus. He forgave them. Jesus died for the man who put the nails in his hand. He died for Pilate. He died for Judas, although Judas hanged himself. He died for everybody. Would you have done that? I wouldn't have. And I, you know, the preachers, the preachers should say that. No, I'm, I'm honest. I wouldn't have. Come down from the cross and we'll believe in you. After all I've done, if I come down off the cross, you're just going to lie again. You'll never believe. I think I would have been tempted to come down off the cross. Not for their belief, but because they wouldn't be saved. But Jesus is different from us. Thank God for that. 
In verse 24, if I had not done anything among them, the works which you... Excuse me. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my Father as well. But they have done all this in order that the world word may be fulfilled that is written in the law. They hated me without a cause. And God still sent him. And, 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 and God still came knowing this in advance. Do you feel indebted to God? Like, like I owe God everything. I was an enemy of God until the day I surrendered to God. And then we became children of God. And you were too. And He still came. He came and He died for His enemies. And yet we were the people who hated Him. Simply by the way we lived our lives. Simply by the things that we said. The things that we've done. Sin. It was my sin that put Him on the cross. Your sin that put Him on the cross. And He went there willingly. In John seventeen fourteen. I've given them thy word. The world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And why did they hate? And why, why to this day are Christians hated? Because they're not of the world. Our, our brethren overseas who are being executed right now, this day, because they're calling the name of Jesus, because they're not of the world. And they hate the brethren. So think about the deep hate for God. When you look at the days of Jesus, even going back to the Old Testament, the the hatred for God himself. But the deep hatred of God today, from, from the day that Jesus came along until today, when people are still being persecuted for doing good. Does that make any sense at all? That makes no sense to me at all. That people are being persecuted for doing good. It's like your neighbor, you, you need sugar and, and your neighbor's there. You, you need some milk and your neighbor's there. Or, or, or you need some help and your neighbor's there. And then you say, hey, let's go kill our neighbor. That's the mind of humanity. What's wrong with us? But there's a picture in the book of Genesis to the life of Joseph. Something's wrong with us. So what has God done? Genesis chapter, chapter 42. In Genesis 42, God uh, reminds us of the Hebrew passage where God says, well, he wanted to swear on an oath, but since there's no one greater than God, he had to swear by himself. (laughs) It's power. In Genesis 42, in verse 29, despite all this, Joseph was made the The Lord, he was made Savior. When they came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them, saying, This man, the Lord of the land. Who is that man? They didn't know who he was. Spoke harshly with us and took us for spies. Of the country. I mean, I can't believe he treated us this way. Right? How could he do that? We're not spies. We're not liars. We're not bad people. Yeah, y'all. 
Yeah, you're not spies, but you're really bad people. Did they ever really change? I mean, it kind of ends in Genesis 50. Did they ever really change that which becomes Israel? Did they ever really change? And I guess maybe a question to us as we're looking at Genesis chapter 50, I wonder in my heart, I know I'm a Christian, but have I really changed? Have I really transformed my mind from worldliness to godliness? Have I really changed? Well, I've only changed in the midst of people who are brethren, and then I live a different way around other people. Have I really changed? His brothers hadn't. Because his brothers made up the lie I told you about, which you read about. And in verse 20, Joseph, like Jesus, now knowing, he knows now what was going on back then. But Jesus knew it from the beginning. We know that. And as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Regardless of what man has ever done or could ever do, Acts chapter 2, regardless of, of how man tried to stop the plan of God, Joseph was still made Lord. He was a type of Savior for those people. They tried to stop it, unaware of who Joseph was and what God was doing, but they could not. They tried to stop Jesus, but they could not. They tried to stop God, but they could not. Through the death, the burial, and the resurrection, Jesus became known to us as Lord and Savior. In verse 36 of Acts 2, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? That's the question that should emanate in all of our hearts. God, I've sinned. Please forgive me for the wrongs that I've done. For those who don't know what to do, that's the question that should pose or be posed in my heart, in my mind. What shall we do? How can I make my life right with God? And it's simple. In verse 38, and Peter said to them, let each one of you be baptized, repent rather, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized. That's it. Thank you God for that. Why is it to this day that people hate not only God but even God's plan of redemption? Why is that? Why, why is it that People refuse to this day to surrender, to surrender to God. Look at Joseph. 
His brothers did not conform until they absolutely had to. And sadly, here's what will happen at the end. There'll be six men carrying a box with many people loaded within them into the doors of church buildings all over the world, but then it's everlasting too late. Tonight, the lesson is yours. If we can help in any way, please come all together. We stand and sing our song of invitation. the blessed Redeemer, this is my constant longing and prayer. Gladly I'll forfeit all of earth's pleasures, Jesus my perfect likeness to
brethren. My brother Tim comes forward, and he's saying he wants to repent. He says um, he's had a lot of trespasses, and so he's asking forgiveness of all of those. And what we want to help him understand that Christ Jesus never said, if you sin. Christ Jesus always said, when you sin. So that means that each and every day, we all have that opportunity to come to God through Christ Jesus, asking for forgiveness and asking for strength. Let us pray.